This show is a part of the podcast network of the Walled Garden Philosophical Society, an international community of philosophers and seekers dedicated to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever they may be found. To find out more, go to thewalledgarden.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Searching with Seneca. Today I'm going to be finishing letter number 25 on Reformation. And you'll remember from the previous episode that what we discussed was the first few verses of this letter where Seneca's kind of giving us his, you might say, his philosophy of Reformation. Uh, And in the second half of the letter, he kind of takes somewhat of a turn, but nonetheless gives us a real key Uh, to how we might reform our own characters, right? And the way that he asks us to do that is to act as if somebody was constantly watching over us, you know, looking over our shoulder at what we were doing. Uh, You know, not in a a creepy way, but you're sort of supposed to develop this sage-like figure in your mind, uh, somebody who you might be able to commune with, you might say, uh, to seek wise counsel from, to seek advice from. And uh, in doing that, you'll always have uh, in your mind this idea that there is somebody uh, watching you, uh, wanting you to do better, perhaps you could put it like that. Uh, But he actually starts out these few verses that I'm going to read by uh, going off on, uh, again, it could be seen as somewhat of a tangent, but I don't think that it is, uh, talking about uh, the the needs of nature, how they are few, while the needs of our desires are many. You know, this is a common theme that we see throughout Seneca's writings a lot. So I'm going to read this, and then I think we'll uh, see if we can pull these few verses apart and uh, take something of value away. Okay, so Seneca says, quote, None of our possessions is essential. Let us return to the law of nature, for then riches are laid up for us. The things which we actually need are free for all, or else cheap. Nature craves only bread and water. No one is poor according to these standards. When a man has limited his desires within these bounds, he can challenge the happiness of Jove himself, as Epicurus says. I must insert in this letter one or two more of his sayings. He says, Do everything as if Epicurus were watching you. There is no real doubt that it is good for one to have appointed a guardian over oneself and to have someone whom you may look up to, someone whom you may regard as a witness of your thoughts. It is indeed nobler by far to live as you would live under the eyes of some good man, always at your side. But nevertheless, I am content if you only act in whatever you do, as you would act if anyone at all were looking on, because solitude prompts us to all kinds of evil. And when you have progressed so far that you have also respect for yourself, you may send away your attendant. But until then, set as a guard over yourself the authority of some man, whether your choice be the great Cato or Scipio or Laelius, or any man in whose presence even abandoned wretches would check their bad impulses. 
Meantime, you were engaged in making of yourself the sort of person in whose company you would not dare to sin. When this aim has been accomplished, and you begin to hold yourself in some esteem, I shall gradually allow you to do what Epicurus, in another passage, suggests, when he says, The time when you should most of all withdraw into yourself is when you are forced to be in the crowd. You ought to make yourself of a different stamp from the multitude. Therefore, while it is not yet safe to withdraw into solitude, seek out certain individuals, for everyone is better off in the company of someone or other, no matter who, than in his own company alone. The time when you should most of all withdraw into yourself is when you are forced to be in the crowd. Yes, provided that you are a good, tranquil, and self-restrained man. Otherwise, you had better withdraw into a crowd in order to get away from yourself. Alone, you are too close to a rascal. Farewell. End quote. Alright, so I'm going to spend a few minutes kind of riffing on Seneca's ideas here because uh, I think that there are a few really interesting thoughts that he puts across here that uh, kind of interact and play nicely with a lot of the other ideas that he gets across in his other letters. And so he starts with this idea that is very stock and standard for Seneca's writings, which he often likes to remind us and himself of, uh, which is this principle of, uh, listen, if you will bring your desires to the level that nature requires, requires, then you will never be poor, right? You will have what you need at all times, but our desires can run amok, and all of a sudden we need, or we think that we need, we trick ourselves into believing that we need so much more than what actually, you know, nature requires us to have. Uh, And so I'm not going to spend too much time on that, because that's an idea that Seneca has spent a lot of time on, and we have in previous episodes as well, and I'm sure it will come up many episodes again. Uh, But nonetheless, what I'm really interested in here is this kind of idea of having this kind of person in our mind, uh, imagining that at all times somebody is looking over our shoulder and uh, and potentially guiding our actions. You know, you can seek advice from this person. You can call upon this person for uh, better judgment, um, you know, and, and you can uh, have them there as a guide so that in times when you are in solitude, uh, you know that, uh, you know, you've got the this person in your mind who's actually watching you, so you can't get away with uh, all of those bad habits that you fall into when everybody's out of the house, you know. So let's quickly go back to the text and see how Seneca describes this kind of relationship, right? He says, There is no real doubt that it is good for one to have an appointed guardian over oneself, and to have someone whom you may look up to, someone whom you may regard as a witness of your thoughts. It is indeed nobler by far to live as you would live under the eyes of some good man, always at your side, but nevertheless, I am content if you only act in whatever you do, as you would act if anyone at all were looking on, because solitude prompts us to all kinds of evil. Right, so ideally, Seneca wants us to have this kind of relationship in our mind with somebody who we think is a truly good person, right? Uh, We want a truly good person watching over us. Think about the sage in relation to Stoic philosophy. That's essentially what Seneca is saying here, you know. A lot of the ancient philosophers were obsessed with this question of 
what is the sage? Or in other words, what is the highest possible attainment for humankind? You know, what is a truly good human look like? What is their advice that they would give us if we were to ask them, right? And so Seneca is saying, kind of, you know, build this sage in your mind, have this person there who is a truly good person who is always watching over you. But then he says, look, uh, look, worst case scenario, I at least, I at least want you to act as if, as if somebody was watching you, right? Uh, because ultimately, solitude can lead us into all kinds of bad habits. And look, we can argue all day about, you know, maybe you've got a problem with uh, not enough willpower, or maybe, uh, you know, you've gotten into these habits over time, and they're just gripping onto you, you just need to get out of these bad habits. But uh, ultimately, I think we all know that uh, solitude, you know, leads you to thinking, oh, you know, hey, if, if nobody's watching, I can do this. Uh, and and that's, a, that's a problem of your character, right? That's a problem of all of our characters. Uh, and it's just the nature of being alone, right? Uh, but Seneca is saying here, I at least want you to act as if somebody is watching you. Very interesting thought. And here's what he says next. He, he actually shows us what the natural progression should be, right? Once you've had this person in mind for a long time, he says, and when you have progressed, so far that you have also respect for yourself, you may send away your attendant. All right, so here we see Seneca giving us this natural progression where over time, as you've developed this kind of sage figure in your mind, you might think of it like that, uh, somebody who can call upon for better wisdom, uh, uh, somebody who you know is always watching over your shoulder, uh, you know, so you can kind of uh, measure your actions against that idea. Uh, as you do this, then you'll probably gain some self-respect because you'll start to act better. Uh, you'll start to know that uh, just because people are, you know, are away from you or, you know, you're alone doesn't mean that you uh, aren't doing any wrong by uh, going against your better judgment or better character. Uh, and so you're going to gain that self-respect. And it just reminds me of that, uh, that quote that we often hear, competence creates confidence. You know, this is something that is so true for personal development or character development, uh, you know, philosophical developments. Over time, as you develop yourself more and more and more, you're going to get more and more confident. That's going to lead into a really positive feedback loop for you, uh, where because of that confidence that you have, you're going to want to uh, act better as well. You, you start to see the results of your labor. And uh, that's exactly what Seneca is saying here. And he's saying, listen, you're going to get some self-respect and then you know, perhaps you can put away the attendant, right? But until then, you need to have this sage in your mind. And just a side note, you know, to, to the Stoics, that was the, the, the sage, right? This, this person who they would have in their mind, you know, what would the sage do? Uh, to people like the Christians, you think about, you know, it's, it's Jesus Christ. It's this idea that there's this highest possible being watching over you at all times. You know, you can uh, uh, gain access to the wisdom of this highest possible being. It's why, why people, you know, wear those bracelets and say, what would Jesus do? It's the same thing. It's the same thing that they're doing uh, that Seneca is talking about here. Um, it's the same reason why when I grew up in church, uh, you know, they, they would have these rings that you could wear. It said CTR. It means choose the right, right? And so there are many ways to remind yourself uh, to act in accordance with better judgment, better character. Uh, this is certainly Seneca's approach is to have that person in mind looking, looking over our shoulder, someone who we can call upon. So the ideas that he brings next, I think, are, are, are 
equally interesting uh, because, you know, so often we hear Seneca talking about, you know, we should avoid the crowd. Uh, you know, it's dangerous to be in the crowd because we're going to become like them, right? But he actually flips that around, uh, turns it completely upside down uh, in, in, in this letter. And he actually encourages us uh, through or by way of Epicurus to remember that perhaps if you had the choice of being alone or in the crowd, uh, depending on where you're at in your characterological development, it might be safer for you to be in the crowd, at least to be around somebody, because then you're at least going to be acting in accordance with uh, general sensibilities, right? Uh, but nonetheless, you might not be so tempted uh, to, to make the wrong decision when nobody's looking. And so the quote that he actually gives from Epicurus, uh, I'll read it again, the time when you should most of all withdraw into yourself is when you are forced to be in the crowd. Now, ordinarily, that would be something that Seneca would probably absolutely agree with, you know, because he he really wants us to be able to find uh, kind of an inner solitude and inner fortitude is probably the better way of putting it, fortitude, uh, when we're in the crowd, because it's so easy to become, you know, a part of the crowd. It's so easy uh, to fall into their way of being and their habits. But in this case, he says, yes, provided that you are a good, tranquil, and self-restrained man, Otherwise, you had better withdraw into a crowd in order to get away from yourself. Alone, you are too close to a rascal. And so at this stage, we've been trained to believe, uh, based on so many other writings from Seneca, that he wants us to avoid the crowd. Now he's saying, uh, uh, listen, you might actually want to rush into the crowd and to avoid being alone with yourself. And so now we don't really know where he wants us to go. But uh, ultimately, I think that the point that he's trying to get across in this, in this letter is act as if there is somebody watching, uh, there is somebody better, uh, somebody you can look up to, um, who you can call upon, uh, and, and that will help you to be a tool and aid to your characterological development uh, so that you can strengthen your character, right? So that it doesn't matter if you're in the crowd or if you're at home alone or if you're, uh, it doesn't matter what you're doing uh, or how many people are around you, you'll be able to maintain that strong character and those principles that you've set for yourself. And, you know, when I read this letter, I kind of think maybe we caught Seneca on a rough day. Maybe he fell into a few bad habits while he was alone and he was kind of, uh, you know, putting himself down. It seems like he's kind of speaking to himself here. You know, alone you are too close to a rascal. And so perhaps the best lesson that we can take away from this letter is uh, that self-awareness. You know, have a think about yourself. Have a think about you know, when you're alone, do you feel like you're more likely to fall into bad habits? Why is that? Have a little bit of awareness about your own character and the times when you feel you're more likely uh, to go backwards in terms of your character development or your philosophical development or uh, whatever development it is that you're trying to pursue in your life right now. Think about what hinders that. Think about what strengthens that because that's what Seneca's doing here. And he's trying to work through these issues and we get to peer into Seneca's mind and see him as he does that. So anyway, I think this is a good place to end it. I hope you've uh, enjoyed this episode and gotten some interesting thoughts that can help you in your own life. And I will talk to you next time. Mm -hmm.